Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, March 22nd, 2010. And welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Stupid Colon Cancer, with a roundtable of young adult survivors, Molly McMaster, the founder of the Colon Club and producer of The Colander, Brian Novak, type 1 diabetic, young adult survivor colon cancer, designer and owner of the Elevated Media Group, and Erica Paul, who is in our audience here a couple of weeks ago, cancer advocate for Team Fabulous. As a reminder, this broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the nearly 5 million young adults, survivors and co-survivors affected by, you guessed it, stupid cancer. On the web at i2y.com, we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. Why? Because survival rates and quality of life in young adults have not improved in 30 years. Because remission is no excuse for cure. And because survivorship is all that really matters. So, uh, hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show. And a stupid cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, broadcasting live from the chemo deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I am your host, Matthew Zachary, a 14-year survivor of pediatric brain cancer. Joining us live in the studio tonight, our always fabulous broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor, the lovely Amanda Freeman. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Matt. How are you? Good. How you feeling? Pretty excellent. That's the right answer. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one. I didn't run a marathon yesterday, so. Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment, but I want to uh, welcome my official partner in crime here on the show, hailing right here from New York City, 14-year breast cancer survivor, young adult breast cancer survivor, acclaimed journalist, former deputy editor of TV Guide, and former entertainment news correspondent for Fox News, the lovely and talented Lisa Bernhard. 
Matthew and Mandy. Can I call you Mandy? Amanda, we haven't discussed that. Um, maybe we should have that conversation I think, later. Yeah, we need pre-approval <laughs> on these things. Well, um, I'm also great because I also did not run a half marathon like well, like Amanda. Oh, well, um, well, speaking of that, I think it's time we actually do pay a little tribute to the man of the hour. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, introducing in the red corner, hailing from Danbury, Connecticut, weighing in at 160 pounds, the vanilla thriller, the dupe we call Boof, <laughs> finisher of the New York City Half Marathon, the one, the only, the inspiring and people lost a lot of money yesterday. Jack Bouffard. Oh. What's up? That was that was quite an introduction. They're gonna keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. What the hell did you guys do yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I want to just also, in the theme of that, I want to send a really. Really special thanks to all of Team Stupid Cancer for running an incredible race for us, raising us lots of money, lots of awareness. Special thanks go to Billy Fernandez, Andrew Froud, Patrick Riley, Louise Youngson, Stefan DeGenor, Francesca Geisman, and Yvonne. I'm going to mess up his last name. I forget his name. I apologize, Yvonne, um, but we thank you as well. Go to, go to uh, team.stupidcancer.com. And you can personally connect with everyone right there on Facebook and YouTube and uh, Twitter. Really great team. Can't be prouder of our inaugural marathon team. Uh, we've gone athletic, folks, and I think there's no turning back. <laughs> we've gone athletic. <laughs> well, I can attest there's no turning back because my legs are on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and who'd have thunk it? It was all on Buffard's shoulders and buttocks and thighs yes. and calves. Yes, and everything and else. Feet. That's, that's and Jack Buffard's shoes. Yes, Jack Buffard's shoes deserve special recognition tonight. Amazing um, job, man. I do want to say that there were a lot of people concerned about me because of this whole like thing of me saying that I did no training going into this race. And now that the race is over, I'd like to come clean about something. Okay. Uh-oh. I did not train for this race whatsoever. <laughs> And I was never kidding when I said that I had done nothing to prepare for this race. And I would like to tell everybody how I outsmarted the other 14,900-something runners. You did take the subway. I did not take the subway. I ran every inch of that 13.1 miles. But my secret was do some light stretching as you're waiting in line to use the porta potty before the race starts. And while I was stretching, I saw these people jogging around Central Park. And I was like, these people are idiots. Why are they running now? They don't have to start running until 7.30. And apparently, they like to use that time before the race to warm up for the race. But they're idiots. Because if you do what I did, you use the first five miles to warm up for the half marathon. (laughs) So then by, by the time you start feeling good... You're like, 
almost a quarter of the way done. You know, you've done one half marathon, and already you're an expert. You're spitting out advice left and right. You're like, uh, okay, I can't name, <laughs> can't name any famous marathoner right now. Um, but look like at Bill you. Rogers. Who? Bill Rogers. Bill Rogers? Is Isn't that a famous that Mr. Marathon? Rogers from Channel 13? <laughs> no, that was Fred Rogers. Okay. Bill Rogers was a, a famous marathon runner in, like, the, in the 80s and stuff. But you don't have to name anybody. You can just say Kenya or that guy right. from Kenya, and everybody will assume that you're talking about the same guy that they're thinking of. So you're a pro now. You have all the tips. But just what, so when you actually, so at what mile did you actually start running? Well, I, 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 I can you, honestly you, say that I've never in, like, a full-out sprint. But right. when you start the race, it's basically like a cattle call where everybody is just, like, herded towards the start line. So I didn't cross the start line until 11 minutes into the race, which is no big deal because you wear this tag on your shoe that tracks your progress. Yeah. And uh, so as soon as you cross the finish line, regardless of what the official time says, you, your, your clock starts at one second, you know, right, right at that point. So I was jogging because when you're in a crowd like that, you can't really slow up the people behind you because you're going to get stampeded like people at Walmart on Black Friday at 5 in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... You know, but at at that point, like I'm kind of like pumped up. I'm excited. You know, they're they're blasting music throughout Central Park. Uh, you know, on these on these huge speakers and stuff. And you just like kind of amped to like get this thing started because you know that each step is a step closer to the finish line. And uh, so I was jogging, and I was probably like a mile and a half into it when I started to get winded and slowed down to like a light jog. And the six to eight mile marks were the hardest for me. Uh, my legs were really screaming. Uh, some of it was going uphill. And uh, I didn't realize that there were hills involved. <laughs> well, yeah, because Manhattan is just like Kansas, right? Or it's Iowa? Really flat. No Iowa tonight. No Iowa tonight. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, like I didn't realize that not all hills go down. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what, the ones what, that did go up had to go down. What so. goes up stays up. In yeah, the, in the boof life. Apparently, well, I saw that I movie so. up, and I just thought that that's you know how things work. <laughs> So, um, but then, well, for, for anybody who doesn't know the course, you run the first eight miles in Central Park. You do a full loop, and then you empty out onto 7th Avenue, run down into Times Square, and take a right onto 42nd Street, and then you run down to the West Side Highway where you do the last five miles on the straightaway that goes all the way down to the Battery Park area. Oh, that's neat. That's pretty. It was cool. And that's the thing. And, like, it helped to have, you know, music in my ears and the stimulation of, uh, the park, the spectators, and once you get into Seventh uh, Avenue, like you're running down three lanes of empty road into Times Square, and I've lived most of my life, or in fact all of my life, stuck in traffic in that area. Right. And, <laughs> we were loving it. Yeah. And to just like see it empty, you know, other than the spectators and everything, was pretty cool. And I actually took a video of myself running through that area. The dude was tweeting and Facebooking <laughs> and texting while he was running the marathon. Yeah. I think Oprah would be opposed to that. No texting and running. Right. Yeah, well, the thing was, if I had, like, twisted my ankle in a pothole or something, I would have to sign a new uh, Oprah no-phone zone pledge. Right, exactly. exactly. But, yeah, I was, uh, I was texting people, and I have to give a shout-out to Matthew's lovely wife, Jessica, for having the comment of the day, because when I crossed the three-mile mark, I tweeted, three down, and when I looked at Facebook later, she said, feet? <laughs> <laughs> He was still in the park. It was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have uh, completed the race. I did achieve three of my goals. Uh, my first goal was to finish the race. 
My second goal was to see my 35th birthday. And my third goal was to break a sweat. And I, I accomplished all three of those yesterday. Well, that's um, impressive. 35th birthday? His 35th birthday is Friday. Saturday. Saturday. Same thing. <laughs> is, this, is this Saturday coming up? Yes, yes March 27th, wow. 1975, a day Fantastic. that will live in infamy. Yes. I d- did not know that. That's when the booth life was hatched. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> well, before Jack, Jack has a surprise for everyone tonight, but before we get there, we have a special guest in our audience tonight, uh, another young adult cancer survivor, breast cancer. Her name is Shell Portner. She's from the uh, John Muir Cancer Institute in the, uh, in the Bay Area, in, in uh, San Francisco area. Uh, she's um, a huge fan of ours. She knows of um, uh, Sue Ann Mark, who's been on the show, Sexpert, the Sage Bolte of the West, if you would. <laughs> and um, she came in to visit us because she's in town. Her husband's doing work. She tagged along, and it's been great to get to know her. So please welcome our guest tonight, Shell Portner. Hello, Shell. Hi there. Hello, Thanks Shel. for having me tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure. What did you do yesterday? <laughs> um, I walked about eight miles doing the tourist, uh, during the tourist thing. It was a lot of fun. Beautiful day, too. It was. Amazing weather. I'm sorry I missed you uh, coming down the finish line. Sounds like a sight to see. But we do, for for the record, for all of our listeners out there, we do actually have the actual moment Jack crossed the finish line. Uh, I was there with Thomas, uh, what's his last name? Thomas Cantley, is that his name? And we were taking photos of Jack and video of Jack as he crossed the finish line. So if you go to uh, Jack's page on Facebook, you'll see the video we posted of him. And I believe the question I asked you, Jack, was, you've just finished the New York City Half Marathon. What are you going to do now? And your response, eat a taco. Yes, eat a taco. So I understand you have a special presentation for us, Jack. I do. And before that, I also want to mention, if I'm allowed to uh, promote how awesome my half marathon attempt was, I finished it in under three hours. And last week's show was all about that, that cattle catcher that scoops up the leftover runners right. and, you know, takes them back. Um, according to, like, marathon guidelines, you have to finish the race within three hours of, like, the last of the elite top finishers or whatever. And I finished it in three hours. I finished it in, like, two hours and 53 or 55 minutes, something like that. Really? Yep. You rock, man. In fact, uh, Vegas made a lot of money yesterday <laughs> because everybody took the over. Yes. So now you're ready, for the, you're ready for the full marathon in, in, in the fall, right? Uh, no, and I would like to send a special message out to Ethan Zahn <laughs> for commenting on my Facebook today. Congratulations. I'll see you at the marathon in October. Ethan, no, there will be no marathon in October, not for this guy. Yeah, we, we, this was enough of a life insurance risk for you. We don't want to lose you. Yeah. But you do realize you're obligated to do this every year from now on. Well, and that's the thing is... Apparently, there's been a lot of interest generated by my uh, not dying, by my not dying, and a lot of people <laughs> want to run with me next year. So I'm thinking, for all the people that want to run with me, maybe we can get one of those like Cleopatra like chair carriers where, nice. they, where I could get like six people to carry me around the marathon. I was gonna say, there's a lot of interest in your not dying. What if people want to like stick their foot out when they run with you next year? Fantastic. Yeah. People just want to get a, a glimpse of Jack Buffard's shoes as they go tearing down the West Side That's Highway. Exactly what yeah. it's about. So, uh, Jack, what do you got for us? I have a top ten list, and this is the top ten things I learned while running yesterday's next uh, New York City Half Marathon. So here we go, folks. The top ten things Jack Buffard and Jack Buffard Shoes learned while running yesterday's New York City Half Marathon. Number ten, a walk in the park is not a walk in the park. 
Number nine. The smell of horse crap doesn't make gulping for air at 7 a.m. very much fun. Number eight. It's hard to hail a cab when the courses close off the cars. Number seven. Indulging in a monster bowl of ice cream and brownies and a slice of apple crumb cheesecake eight hours before a 13.1 mile half marathon may not have been the brightest idea I've ever had. Number six of the top ten things I learned while running the half marathon. It's very, it was very hard to motivate myself to run faster knowing the person waiting to hug me at the finish line was Matthew Zachary. <laughs> Number five. Running and rocking out to the Dave Matthews band don't always jive. I don't need to hear lyrics like, sometimes I feel like I'm falling, you might die trying, or could I have been anyone other than me? The number four thing I learned while running the New York City Half Marathon was that you need to learn, or that you learn to get over the fact of being passed by runners older than your grandparents pretty quickly. I just stopped caring when I saw like the fifth or sixth elderly person in a diaper run by. Fair enough. Number three. Taking note of every traffic camera on the West Side Highway was a very productive use of my time and will save me lots of money driving to the chemo deck each Monday night. Fair enough. Number two, running 13.1 miles is not worth the free dinner you get the night before. (laughs) And the top number one thing that I learned while running yesterday's New York City Half Marathon, I do not like I2Y this much. I was like, why am I doing this? I do not like I2Y this much. And there you have it, folks. Jack's going to leave the show now. Oh, he loves us. It was nice knowing you. But I will say, for those people who do like I2Y that much, that didn't put money on me because you were afraid I was going to keel over and die and you wanted a return on your investment, (laughs) if you head to team.stupidcancer.com, it's not too late to make a pledge. So if anybody wants support, who support my post-race effort? Well, what's it called when you're? It's posthumous, but you're not dead. What's the word for that? Honorarium. <laughs> I don't know. And you're, what, what's that around your neck? L- lucky? My, unlucky? I don't know. This is my uh, my medal that I got for completing the race. Is it real? It's real, and uh, it's it's in the shape of the old subway tokens, and it says the New York City Half Marathon on it. And I was wondering how much I could get for this if I send it to the Cash for Gold people. Nice. I just sold my car to car cash. I'm in love with... No. Crap, yes. it just broke. Did, you, did it crack? <laughs> I could make that noise, too, with like a quarter, you know. Yeah? Yeah. This thing is actually weighing me down, and I don't want to do the show hunched over, so I might take it off. Okay, fair enough. It's your bling. You love it. It is my bling. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot, of, a lot of people in the chat room tonight. 41 users in the chat room right now. Uh, hopefully a lot of people that come over from the Colon Club, and I know that First Descent sent out a, um, a note to their constituency because we've got uh, one of their um, alumni in the, on the show tonight, Brian. So, uh, semicolon. Semicolon. It's going to be a good show. And there's actually a lot of people that are concerned that, <clears throat> that my segment tonight was pre-recorded because I am, in fact, dead on the side of the West Side Highway. <laughs> and for the record, I want to let everybody know that Villanova lost this weekend and that the health care bill was passed yesterday. Okay. So this is me in the flesh. So speaking of the health care bill, let's just do the news first. And then I want to talk about that for a little while. We'll bring in our guests at about 930 uh, to talk about that. So let's uh, let's get Jack to do the news here. Where is the news segment? Here it is. I am cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we listen to Jack Buffard stammer 
through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff you might otherwise not know about. And we don't want you missing out on free young adult special events like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, music concerts, and more. So if you have something coming up that you would like to hear our audience know about, please fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or email Jack at jack at i2y.com. Take it away, bro. Thanks, Matthew. And I don't think I'm too out of breath to do the news, so here we go. Head on over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods and we wouldn't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. Surviving Idol is an upcoming talent show for young adults affected by cancer. Show off your talent by entering your submission today by visiting survivingidol.com. I'm going to upload that video of me crossing the finish line. The buzz is building around the third annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults being held here in New York City on Sunday, May 23rd. Check out omg2010.org or .com, 2010, omg2010.com for more information. Or Reg- actually, it is .org. It is .org? Yeah. Okay. And registration will begin on April 5th, so mark your Google calendars because if it's not in your calendar, it doesn't exist. Being that, I lack both the time and intelligence to share with you all of the great stuff we have going on for young adults in the cancer world, I've created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com for the official list of all stupid cancer news resources. These include surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. And to close the news, everyone needs to head on over to 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter K.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By citing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet this underserved population. That's your news, folks, and I am out of here. I figured since we're doing age references, I throw a little Dennis Miller Saturday Night Live in it. Okay, that's fair enough. So we have a few minutes here to open up the conversation about the most talked about conversation in the entire world, perhaps, today, uh, which is actually supersedes Jack not dying. In I was going to say, didn't we just have this conversation? In the marathon yesterday. But um, we have to talk about the health care issue that this, this, uh, the bill passed. The House, the Senate is now voting on some superficial right-wing, you know, commiserations, but apparently this thing goes into effect very soon, and the bulk of it goes into effect, for better or for worse, in four years. So um, there's been a lot of heated debate. There's a lot of vitriol, a lot of hostility. Baby killers. And And still a lot of confusion, I think. Well, senators cursing on the House floor. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there's so much about this. I don't claim to be the expert about this. I defer to someone like Carol Rosenthal, who is the guru of politics when it comes to this issue. And she's the one that I turn to to say, help me, Carol, they're coming after me. <laughs> and she was able to very effectively articulate the brunt of it to me and how if you are a young adult in this country, let alone a young adult affected by a chronic disease like cancer or diabetes or scleroderma or lupus, 
you should be the ones kissing the ground Obama walks on for this health care plan. Because not only does it permit you to stay under your parents' insurance to your 26 now, but it eliminates the possibility for you to be excluded or denied for having health insurance, whether you can afford it or not, because you're going to have to have it because you've had cancer or disabling disability as a pre-existing condition. And at least for me, those two specific things outweigh everything else people are complaining about. And well, I th- I'd Sorry, love to Matthew, hear your thoughts, ahead. please. No, I, and I'm done. I'm like, I want to hear from Lisa. Well, no, I mean, first we should just back it up, and I'm sure a lot of people are aware of this, but it's young adults make up, what is it, 30% of all of those who are uninsured in this country. They're the largest sort of demographic group of uninsured folks in this country. So this, to your point, largely addresses the young adult community out there. Right. And you're right, those are, those are the two big ones. If you're an unmarried adult, younger than 26, you can stay on your parents' insurance covered. I believe as long as you know, as long as you're not offered something at your place of work. Exactly. Um, and you, uh, there's all kinds of. Um, and again, we'll have we'll have we'll have somebody smarter than the two of us come on in the near future to really go through all the specifics with us to help people navigate through this. But young adults also uh, very very key, as you mentioned. Um, can't be prohibited because of the pre-existing conditions. Also, uh, young adults will have, through the state, you know, exchanges that will be in place, um, a chance that, you know, they will have to buy insurance on their own through a sliding scale depending on their income. But also, I think a wider swath of young adults will have access to uh, to Medicaid should they need Medicaid. Right. Um, and I think also will be given uh, – have more of an option if they want to go with the catastrophic plans that are in place, which you know pr- provide lower premiums, um, but give you coverage in the case of exactly that catastrophic events, hospitalization, uh, high deductibles. I think it's like a six thousand dollar out of pocket, um, but I think the availability of those plans is also broadened. So. Lots of things for the young adult community under uh, health care reform, and, and, and including also as a sort of, I believe, still packaged into it um, was increase, increase to Pell Grants for students, I think. Wasn't that also bundled in this health care reform, I think? It's possible. Um, I, again, I don't claim to be the expert. The part that I think that is most compelling for me, and this is a real statistic, I don't know the exact numbers, but something like the overwhelming majority of medical bankruptcies in this country are young adults. And yeah. whether it's cancer or, like I said, a heart disease or scleroderma or lupus, whatever it is, it, most Americans who go bankrupt or declare bankruptcy due to medical costs are under 40, married or not. And this health care bill, you know, we love our moms, we love our dads. We can try to think we love the crazy teabagging people. But if you're under 40 and you don't support this, then I can't possibly understand your argument for not doing that, Jack. Yeah, and 54% of Americans are still confused by exactly what this means to them or whatever. And and that's the thing is, like, people just have to educate themselves as to, like, what this means and not just listen to, like, the people that just go ranting and raving about everything because there's a lot of wrong information out there and there's a lot of people that are passionate about whatever information they have and it's not necessarily all correct. So there are 54% of Americans that are confused by this. 
And now that being said, 85% of all Americans do know what the Kardashians had for breakfast this morning. Well, that is true. But, again, I would be really curious to know if that 53%, what the breakdown was, what percentage of those 53% are under 40? Because I'm willing right. to bet that the younger generation understands this more because we have more to lose and more at stake for it than our parents and our grandparents do. And I do have to add a special douchebag alert note to that old guy who was holding up a sign in front of an anti-health care reform rally that said, keep your government out of my Medicaid. Are you serious? <laughs> Let's think about that, folks. Let's think about that for a minute. Keep your government out of my Medicaid. <laughs> and for those of you that might actually be confused because of that, Medicaid is the government. So here we have some old coot who thinks he's rallying for something, but he has the intelligence of sawdust, perhaps, although that's probably an insult to sawdust. And that's most of this country. Well, yes. <laughs> Boy, this is the most opinion. Folks got out. I mean, you know Matthew Zachary is passionate about something. This is the most I've... Um, seen you take a real full throttle uh, position on something. No, and we have the. I will say there is one component of this that I I have I take umbrage with, and it's not an anti health care plan issue. It's the issue of reproductive rights for women, because according to um, Medicaid and Medicare, I, I forget which one it is, but you cannot get government subsidized health care for a planned abortion. And that's just the federal policy. That's fine. It, 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 you can do a states' rights issue if you have local coverage. Yeah. But they're basically taking that particular federal policy and applying it to the rest of health care in this country. So if you now get subsidized health care, because when the mandate goes into effect and you are obligated to get health care, as I'm to understand it, if you can't afford it, the government will subsidize your health care by paying the private insurer. This is not the government giving you health care. This is the government paying your private insurer. So we're still keeping private industry in, 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 uh, in existence. They're still going to get their money. And they're going to have more customers because of this, which is in their interest. But the rule still applies that if you can't afford your health insurance and it has to be stipend in any way by the government, I do believe that they're not going to cover reproductive uh, uh, women's rights. So if you need to get an abortion, you're going to probably have to pay for cash unless you have an existing policy that you're going to keep that you pay for out of pocket, that's not going to change. Now, that's the only part of this that I take umbrage with, but I'm of the ilk, and I agree with Carol on this because she wrote a great blog today about this, that social change comes slowly and only from within, and that when suffrage and the civil rights and the, the gay rights, all that came to pass in various different stages, nothing was perfect the day after it was signed the law and it took years and years and years but here we are 30 years later or 40 years later after civil rights and like we can't imagine a world without it so 20 or 30 years from now we're going to look back at 2010 and say remember that we lived in the dark ages when you had to do this and this and this and this and people died and yeah this is about as political as i can get on this issue because i'm very passionate about it because you know what i was one of the lucky ones i was 21 i had my parents insurance but you know what I had to go off my parents' insurance at 22, and I had to buy my own insurance, which was insanely expensive. And to think of all that money I could have saved in those four years when I was still seeing doctors 50 times a year because I, I, you know, because I was paying through the nose. Now, even Doug Ullman, CEO of the Livestrong mm -hmm. Foundation, tweeted today 
that this is an historic moment in the annals of this country. Doug Ullman is a three-time cancer survivor. He's over 10 years out, but yet he still has to deal with pre-existing condition, and he's the CEO of Livestrong. So, again, I go back to this whole, I'm objective, I'm open to other people's opinions, but if you're holding up a flag that says, keep your government out of my health care, you should go fuck yourself. Amen. Good night, folks. The great and powerful MZ has spoken. Um, the other thing is, some of the protesters that were at the Capitol building were hurling expletives and racial slurs at congressmen, one of whom I met and is someone I greatly admire, Congressman uh, John Lewis from Georgia. And he was called the N-word as he was exiting the vote last night. And one of his colleagues said that that word has not been used in this building since the 60s. And I was just like, what the hell is going on with our country that shit like that, even like, I, you know, it's like, it, it, it even exists, you know? It's like, that's not something that's just, you know, in the history books from, from a time period 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And it's just, it just shows you how, how, how crazy people are about this. And, you know, like I said before, a lot of people don't have all the facts. They just don't, and they're, they're going on what they heard from somebody said about what somebody else said about something that somebody else said, and just, you know, going on these rants and, you know, holding up these uneducated signs, like you said, and hurling these expletives because, because they think that, that, you know, the government's against them. And Obama gave 50 speeches over the last few months about this, and in every single speech he said, if you like what you have, you can keep it. And people are still like, my health care is going to be taken. My health care is going to be taken away, and the government's going to tell me what to do. And my grandmother's going to die because the government says it's time for her to die. And it's just like these fucking people are insane. It's like just get the facts, learn learn what the hell's going on. Okay, can I? Um, I was just informed that my microphone was turned off. No, you're on now. You're back on now. Sorry about that. I don't know. Really? Kind of... Hey, don't worry. That happens to me all you the time. This, let, me, let me just say something. Matt, just as you were talking about how um, pro-choice women were getting screwed by <laughs> and talking about how females <laughs> who were, were, uh, were, were getting screwed and how we're slow to change, at that moment, my mic went off. Coincidence? Um, mm. I'm... <laughs> but it was turned uh, off by a woman, not by me. The boof wife. That's, that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, and no. there's nothing wrong with screwing that's, women. That's our, that's our fabulous producer. Oh, wait, we're not talking. Know, this isn't a sex show. I'm sorry. I know she made, oh, okay. she, she made hey, a mistake, now. but I appreciate, Matthew, you're, you're taking umbrage with what you uh, took umbrage with um, <laughs> regarding uh, regarding abortion. And uh, But, you know, the whole thing about, I don't know, to the whole point of, and, and people, look, people have lots of, that's a very difficult and complex um, topic for people, and I don't I don't want to just, you know, dismiss it sort of wholeheartedly like that. But I will say, you know, to your point of change is slow and all of that, I mean, come on. I'm just a little, (laughs) there are certain, um, uh, just on on broader strokes here, certain um, rights issues and civil rights issues on myriad things that this country is going through right now. And some of us are just a little bit over the changes slow when sort of change seems obvious and change should be moving ahead and, Anyway, and this country is marred in a lot of stuff, but that's that's my very broad-stroked journalistic statement on that. But um, but anyway, but the good news is for uh, 
There, there is a lot that is offered, uh, as we're saying, young adults in this, the largest constituency, 30% of the uninsured. And, um, you know, it's and it's and it's up to now Obama's, you know, going to get out there, and he's got to make this very clear to those who are still a little fuzzy on it. Admittedly, um, all of us talking here right now are trying to educate ourselves, but uh, but there's a lot of layers to it, and it's complex as to what takes effect now, what goes to effect later. Is there going to be backlash of, well, you're, you know, 25 years old. Is this keeping you from getting a job because you're not, you know, you're staying on your parents' health insurance, or are you able to pursue your dreams, as Nancy Pelosi says, and go off and be a musician and not have to, you know, worry about um, taking uh, a job just to have health insurance to pursue something that you're really passionate um, about. So there's, you know, there's, there's, it spins off into many different conversations, but. Um, I think. Uh, well, I wanted to spin off into another conversation because we're going to bring on our guests right now, and we're going to have them tell their stories. But I think it's really relevant that this bill passed yesterday. We're having three colon cancer survivors, a disease that is mostly in older people, but most people don't consider that it can happen in younger adults. And we're going to hear their stories. So I'm going to introduce each of them individually, and we'll bring them on the show. So let's start with. Uh, let's do this here. Okay. First on the show. Molly McMaster is the president and 11-year survivor of colon cancer, of the Colon Club, a nonprofit with the goal of raising awareness of colorectal cancer, especially in young adults in out-of-the-box ways. Their most well-known project is Colossal Colon, a 40-foot-long, 4-foot-tall crawl-through replica of the human colon. Jack's favorite play toy, complete with everything from Crohn's disease and colitis to polyps, cancer, and even hemorrhoids. Again, Jack's favorite play toy. Please welcome Molly McMaster. Hello, Molly. Hi, guys. Hi there. So, Thanks ba- so much for having me on. <laughs> now, bear, bear with us. We're going to bring everyone on at the same time, and we'll, you'll have to fight it out for Jack's attention. So uh, <laughs> let's see here. What can we use? I want to take a-, a stroll through the big colon. Okay. <laughs> let's see who's next here. Brian Novak did not send me a bio for all the instructions we continue to tell him, but he's forgiven because I'm going to make one up right now and I'll have to just take it up the... Oh, well, he already did. Okay. Brian Novak was raised by wolves in Wisconsin. He spent too much time licking cactuses in Arizona, gave up his desire for oxygen, moved to Texas, and then randomly decided Brad Ludden was his favorite love interest, went to first descent, Got the nickname Colin Cancer, fell in love with Jack McFard, and lost the bet to be on the show. No, Please welcome. Send me Colin. Well, I'm calling him Full Colin. Brian Novak. Hey, guys. How's it going? That was perfect. That'll teach you not to send me your bio. So, I have a, I have a quick question. Were you given the name Semicolon because the apostrophe was taken? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was taken, so uh, that was the, uh, the next best choice. So. I got All right. That. Well, let me bring out our third guest here. Now, she's a, technically a returning champion because she was in the studio a couple of weeks ago. But shortly after her 26th birthday, Erica Paul was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, metastatic to the liver and lungs. She's 28 now. And for the past two and a half years, her life has been consisting of a multitude of bi-weekly chemotherapy treatments, blood work, procedures, and surgeries. She's determined to fight this disease like all of us and stay as fabulous as ever. Her goal is to inspire others while increasing colon cancer awareness in young adults. Please welcome back indirectly to the Stupid Cancer Show, Eric Paul. 
Hi, Erica. Hey, how are you guys? Now, this show is a roundtable, and we haven't done one of these in quite a while, but whenever we do them, they're very successful. It's sort of unscripted, but we kind of know what we're going to talk about, but I think all the fabulousness that we're going to talk about is going to be that much more exciting as we start to talk about our particular stories involving insurance and healthcare and misdiagnosis and how our generation has the most to lose by not convincing people that are morons that this is the right direction for our country to move in. So let's start with Molly, who I've known for quite a while now, um, about um, her quick story and uh, why she continues to somehow live in upstate New York. I don't know, but I, I forgive her for that. Um, but uh, talk about hey, talk about pretty. your story real quick. No, I love you. I love you. You know that. But, but, that was but, Lisa, but... <laughs> no, no, no. Molly lives in like... Yeah. like, like it's like, called Canada, New York. It's, it's like Canada, Oswego yeah. up there or something. No, 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 no. No, I got to tell you, we've had weather like Florida. I can't, I cannot complain. I've been out practically practically out in a bathing suit this weekend, so there are no complaints coming from. And I've seen you in the bathing suit. You look good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, well, I, you know what? Thanks so much for having me back, because you know I wasn't sure if I passed the test last time around. So thank you. Um, some of you guys know I was diagnosed when I was, um, was on my 23rd birthday. Um, luckily, it was stage two colon cancer. Um, mine, my cancer had had grown uh, into the colon instead of out, which was great for me because it was a total blockage. Um, you know, it was the size of my doctor's two fists. He said when he took it out, so I was really lucky that it went in instead of out. And um, basically, long story short, I was really, really just that people told me, ah, you're the only one in the world that this has happened to so young. Yeah, there's nobody else like you. So I decided I wanted to start doing things to raise awareness and show that this is a disease that can happen to anybody. You guys know. <laughs> so, um, you know, the first crazy thing that I did was to inline skate um, from upstate New York to um, Colorado, where I'd been going to school when I started having my symptoms. Um, ooh, and then from ooh. there... And just kind of snowballed. Everybody said, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And I met another young woman from Arkansas who had been diagnosed when she was 23. I'm sorry, 24. And she and I kind of, you know, it was the first person I met that was like me. And, um, you know, it was just awesome to meet someone else, you know, that I could relate to. And um, unfortunately, she she died in um, in 2002, and uh, late 2002. And I decided I wanted to do something in her memory. Um, so that's when I came up with the idea for the big giant colon. And so now we have this 40 foot long crawl through colon traveling around the country. And it is awesome to tell people when I'm sitting on an airplane, I have a big giant colon and it travels around the country (laughs) and to see their face, whether they want to talk to me for the rest of the flight. What's Jack? Um, Jack? As long as it's not hyperactive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but from the, from the colossal colon, just more projects keep happening. We started the colon club. Um, now we have the colander, which is this, just awesome calendar of young people all diagnosed under the age, the the stereotypical age of 50, Um, you know, because the whole point is it's not just me anymore. There's so many people out there, Um, you know, and 11 years ago when I was diagnosed, like I said, I was told I was the only one. So, Molly, anything genetic, uh, anything that doctors pointed to at all in your case? No. uh, My mother um, had, uh, you know, like six months after I was diagnosed, my mother pointed out or somebody said that she had polyps removed when she was 32. Now, why she went out at 32, you know, however many years ago to get a, I I think it was a, um, uh, what did she have? Not a colonoscopy. She had a sigmoidoscopy. Whoever wants to go in and just do, you know, I no idea what randomly made her do that, but um, she had polyps and they said that could have been a form of family history, but I have been tested 
um, and I don't carry any of the genes that, you know, that they've found thus far, and, you know, no one else in my family has anything, you know, no, um, you know, no conditions, you know, no polyposis, no, you know, nothing like that, so it's kind of random. And I, and I don't imagine you had, I mean, because you were so young, you were 23, you said? I was right? my 23rd birthday, that's right. 23rd birthday, right. Congratulations. So I don't imagine you had had polyps. I mean, you wouldn't have been screened for polyps before that, so... No. Is that right? I mean, Absolutely like not. I, You know, I had... You can pick up a symptom card that they pass out, you know, through the American Cancer Society or whoever else that's, you know, teaching oh. the 50-year-olds. <laughs> well, these are organizations that are... They, they're teaching everybody, hey, when you get 50, you get screened. Well, what about us? And, I mean, that's... You, I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys know that. Um, you know, I had all those symptoms, but because I didn't, I, yeah, I had every symptom listed on any one of those cards you would see, but because I wasn't 50 years old, I didn't get a second glance for a colonoscopy. And I was so young, A, I didn't even know what it was, and B, who the hell wants to go out and talk about getting something poked in there and checked out, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I, I come at this from a couple of angles, one being, you know, um, I want to I wanna educate young people so they know if, if you do start having these symptoms, do talk about it, it's okay, and it probably isn't anything, but it might be, so you got to be able to ask for a colonoscopy, even though that's not what everybody wants to do on a random you know, well, Thursday Well, Molly, I want, to, um, I want to just uh, let Brian, I know I made up his bio, but I think he deserves the right at least <laughs> to set the record straight. <laughs> He's apparently got this huge fan group on the, on the chat room tonight, so they've been wow. rooting for you, Brian. Uh, right. So I, I see here that you know, it took you six months to finally get diagnosed. It took me eight months to get finally diagnosed. I would imagine right. colon cancer in young adults is probably the least likely thing they could ever possibly imagine could be wrong with you, despite any normal, rational symptom that if an older person had, they think right away. So talk us through those first six months. Right. Well, um, yeah, my diagnosis was, um, it, was very, uh, it was very difficult um, to come to. I, I, um, in June of 2008, I, uh, I was on vacation in Honduras. And having a great time, you know, we're just uh, diving and hanging out. And I, I started to um, have some abdominal pain while I was on my trip. And, um, you know, the first thing I thought, you know, being down in Central America is maybe, you know, maybe I picked up a parasite or, um, you know, something of that nature. And so um, so I went home and my symptoms, um, they got worse. And um, I, was, I was experiencing just a ton of pain. And so... Uh, so I went to a doctor, and um, you know he did some tests, and uh, I had a slight, you know, slight fever, um, and uh, he did some blood work, and I was anemic, but he he really didn't, you know, uh, pinpoint anything, and uh, he, um, you know, he sent me to um, a gastroenterologist, and I saw him, and um, you know, uh, he uh, he didn't really make much of it, he kind of. Uh, he was a little bit dismissive, I guess you could say, and then he basically sent me home with some probiotics, and uh, so I, I just kind of sucked it up for a while, and um, you know the pain would kind of come and go, and eventually, I saw another doctor, and it took me probably I think, in total I went to five different doctor visits over the six months before I actually was um, given a colonoscopy, and, and at that point. When I went in for uh, for my colonoscopy, um, they discovered that my colon was uh, completely or nearly completely obstructed, and I uh, I woke up in an ambulance on my way to uh, to the hospital. 
<laughs> from my colonoscopy. Wow. And so from there, I um, I I met with a surgeon, and then I uh, went in, had surgery. They uh, they took out 18 inches of my transverse colon, and um, who needs it anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't miss it at all. I lost probably you know I lost 10 pounds, so that was nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then I was diagnosed um, with uh, stage three uh, colon cancer. And f- and follow up for um, for both of you, uh, chemotherapy. What, what was your what were your treatments following surgery? Well, well, Who's I going said, first? Brian, hop in. Well, hang on. Before they answer that, I want to bring Erica back in. Even though she's had the sweet taste of Jack before, in a sense, because she's been here, um, I just want to give her a chance to weigh in and, and introduce herself um, with the rest of the crew, and then I would like to just have them all each answer you know, these these really important questions. Again, we have a huge rock star crowd tonight, huge listenership. You guys, we've got to have you on every week. You're making us look bad. So, uh, Erica, welcome back officially as a guest on the show. Hey and, there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so you're 28. You've been going through this for two years now. Um, is is every cancer diagnosis in young adults relatively similar? Late diagnosis, you know, doctors that don't take you seriously, you know, very fragile ecosystem of peer support and uh, and, and and accurate information. Yeah, I mean that sounds <clears throat> very similar to my experience. Um, because when I was diagnosed, you know, I had been having symptoms for a while, but, of course, just kind of, you know, disregarded them and thought, you know, stress and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so finally when I was diagnosed, it was, you know, stage four, and, you know, it had already spread to my liver. And I had a, like, a 21-meter uh, tumor on my liver, and I also had a couple small ones on the left lobe, as well, and I had I was later we later on we found the lung meds, but I think they'd al- they had always been there. They just weren't showing up on the scan. But um, yeah, I mean it was so traumatic. I I think I still have nightmares about like that week of you know thinking that I just had the tumor in my colon and then realizing that it was in like some pretty major organs. Um, yeah, and I mean, at first I didn't know what to do and where to turn, and luckily, you know, like organizations like the Colon Club, you know, I found them online, so they were a big support, and also just kind of sought out young adults, other young adults online that I connected with who also helped me, you know, get through it, and, you know, two years later, I'm kind of trying to do the same for others. Well, there you go. So I guess, uh, Lisa, you had a question for the crew. Well, I just wanted to talk about some, I mean, some of you, I think, are, um, Erica, you have done clinical trials, and what sort of, can you talk about the treatments that um, that each of you have, uh, have had? Um, yeah, I, I pretty much, I started off on full facts, you know, and then from there went on to full fury, and, um, you know, did like a combination of like full fury and Vastin and a full fury and Arbitux. Um, after I had, I had surgery in, um, November of 2007, um, because initially I wasn't operable, and at the time of my surgery, when they did a liver resection, they put in a hepatic arterial infusion pump, which, um, was connected to my hepatic artery, and so it fed chemotherapy directly into 
the tumors that they couldn't remove in my liver. And that was filled with a drug called FUDR. And I also would receive um, a drug called metomycin in that as well. And, I mean, that's pretty common. I wouldn't, I mean, I definitely had to sign um, trial papers for it, but, I mean, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people who have had that therapy. Um, and then just recently, this past fall, I, um, re- I received the Yttrium 90 um, Sears Fears procedure. And so that was basically where they, you know, they, they inserted microscopic radioactive beads into my liver through my femoral artery, and um, so that was supposed to cut off the blood supply to those tumors. Um, as far as so, as far as like you know, ex- trials, that would probably be what my extent. So, um, you know, as I move forward, I've been on a lot of drugs, so I've definitely kind of dipped into my reservoir. And um, so, um, you know, right now it's kind of like looking forward, or you know, to doing more experimental treatments. Yeah, and how are you all finding um, managing your treatments and side effects versus, you know, just sort of maintenance of your of your daily lives? Somebody want to jump in? Don't all jump in at once, quick. <laughs> Otherwise, Jack's going to start talking. I can't, I can't really. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 11 years out at You're this point. You're 11 years point, out, and, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm old school chemo. Like, I got what was available. Yeah. It's It's changed a lot for colon cancer. Um, in the past 11 years, um, I remember. I think I was going through treatment um, when when um, I saw on you know like 2020 or Dateline or something like that. They did a story on a pill form of this chemo that I had to be you know I was taking, and unfortunately it was only approved for you know stage three and four at that point. And you know I wanted to know why my doc wouldn't send me home with a bunch of pills to take instead of having to go in every week. And um, but you know, for me, one of the funny things, you know, my treatment's long over, but I still see my doctor all the time. He wants me to come in every six months, and I don't know what that's yeah. all about. <laughs> you know, so luckily they're keeping a good eye on me. Yeah, Brian, and they will Brian, all... you're up, man. <laughs> sure. Um, so I, um, I did six months of full Fox, um, and uh, you know, um, so now I'm, I'm kind of in. Uh, wait and see mode. I guess I, I've had uh, two follow-up scans uh, since my treatment. Um, I was on, uh, I started uh, last year in February and I ended in July. And, um, you know, treatment was tough. Um, I'm still dealing with some of the side effects. I have uh, some neuropathy in my in my hands. Um, and that's that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, it's it's getting better. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good these days. I was wondering, actually, if I'm, if, uh, if I could share a link with you guys, uh, yeah, before and after from my my colonoscopies from when I had cancer and uh, my follow-up. So if anyone's uh, squeamish, don't don't click on that link <laughs> that I just sent. Oh, the one in uh, the chat room. Yep. All right. Well, I've already seen Jack before at the end of the marathon, so there's very little that can scare me. Okay. <laughs> And I'm, I'm looking at an asshole sitting next to me right now, so I'm sure a colon's yeah, not going to scare me. Yeah, Jack's been waiting all night to say that line, by the way. Well, well no, I, actually, we were going to say, Molly, uh, if you ever need Jack to go on the road with you, you can have your giant colon and a big asshole at the same time. <laughs> I don't even have a comment for that. Yeah, give me a kiss. <laughs> you know, we should probably, I'd be curious, since we were talking about insurance earlier in the show, um, what your issues were with insurance, or was it? Did you guys were you all insured? Was it smooth? Was it 
Rocky, did you have a tough time? Um, anybody have any insurance stories to share with us? Oh, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, the insurance is pretty bad. Or handling my insurance has been just like, oh, like probably one of the worst experiences next to cancer. Um, I would say that um, when I was first diagnosed, I was still on my employer's insurance, so that was a good plan. Um, so I jumped onto COBRA, but obviously the COBRA, you know, premiums are pretty high. Um, so I kind of rode, rode that out until, um, well, actually, my, I'm actually finished with that plan um, March 31st, so I'm kind of mourning the loss of that plan. But um, I was eligible for care um, in, in um, I'm sorry, in December. And then, so now it's kind of between now and then, I've now, from then and now, I've been ex- researching Medigap plans, which, you know, unfortunately there was like only one plan that <clears throat> was available for someone in my age group and where I lived, and it's like $1,100 a month for, wow. you know, just that, and that doesn't even include, you know, the Medicare costs and then on top of that, like prescription drug plans. I mean, obviously it's, I'm happy to pay that because otherwise, you know, I can, I know the alternative, which is so much more expensive, but still, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, that's like, it's a lot. Yeah. you know, I'm pretty much, you know, any money that I get coming in each month goes to my insurance. I barely can, like, pay my rent. So, thankfully, my husband is wonderful. So. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I've had a just a really tough time, you know, dealing with the companies and, um, you know, Medicare and right now, you know, and everything. So, I definitely am glad that there's you know, new things around the horizon for healthcare. Well, Molly, sorry, a question for Molly. Molly, um, what is your take on the healthcare reform bill? Do you think it's... Oh, sure. You're going to totally put me on the spot. You know what? I I think, no, no, no. In in all seriousness, I think that it's it's awesome, and I think it's a great step in the right direction. I, my issue is, um, my issue is with the politicians and the steps that are being taken in order to get it passed. Um, you know, there's a lot. I, I have a real problem with politicians, and um, most do. You know, that's kind of yeah. No, and that's that's you know, especially I'm, I'm politicians. Kind of, uh, <laughs> exactly. No, there's. I got a real sore spot for that. So, you know, for me, when I, you know, I think that I was extremely lucky because, um, you know, when I was diagnosed, not only was I diagnosed at an early stage, but um, you know, I was still on my parents' um, insurance, and then I went to, um, I think what had happened was I took a semester off, and the insurance company found out, and so they tried to boot me off, and luckily my father's, you know, my father's company was able to keep me on through COBRA, and my parents were able to pay for it, and, you know, but there were a lot of issues going on that, um, you know, my parents didn't even let me know about things, um, and I was kind of flying blind, and you know, when I'm 22, 23 years old, that's exactly how I wanted it to be. And I just, you know, I can't even fathom being in, you know, being in Erica's shoes right now and having to deal with all that. I, you know, it, it kills me to hear stories that, um, you know, of people who, it, 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 it's insane to me that, um, you know, that we can't, uh, as a country, come together and find a way to take care of our own, you know. Well said. That kind of sounds it's, well. It sounds a little corny, but it, you know, it's just I, I get so angry about the way that everything has to happen. With um, you know, it's all in the politics. It's all about who's stroking what in the back room, and you know, and I, I I just can't stand that, and that's what makes me angry. 
but we can't keep we can't keep doing what we've been doing. I mean, that's well, you gotta absolutely fight the fights you can win. Yeah. And at least in my lifetime, I would see this as almost as historic as civil rights in my parents' lifetime. Silence. <laughs> I, I've yeah. stupefied yeah. everybody. No, I agree, yeah. and and yeah. I think gay You're marriage right. is next. Yeah, gay marriage is next. Um, can I can I switch it and talk about when we're talking about colon cancer? As Matt touched on this before, and um, similar to breast cancer, uh, which I had, which is one of those cancers where people look at you and say, you know, you there's no, you know this is this is an older person's not only is cancer in general, but but this is an older person's type of cancer. I mean, can you talk about um, some of the psychological issues that you went through, either yourself to wrap your brain around it or work through sort of issues and dealing with your friends, telling friends, talking about it with family? Did people want to discuss it, not want to discuss it? Was it, did it just, um, you know, how did you sort of psychologically work through it for something that is just so really out of the blue for, for a young adult? And colon especially. It, it's a, and it's colon a very, especially, it, yes. Yeah. Not just cancer, but yes, but, but specifically colon cancer. Um, I would love to touch on that. Um, yeah, like when I was, let's see, when I was diagnosed um, at 26, I was, I was not married, so that was pretty much my main goal. Uh, I was dating, you know, my boyfriend or my boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband, Michael. Um, but I definitely, all I wanted to do was get married and just have a family and, and you know, have a career and have a future and. Basically, my, you know, oncologist told me that, it, you know, it wasn't going to be, you know, basically just forget about it pretty much. And, um, you know, I remember, like, the first thing I did was, like, break down and, and cry about not being, <laughs> sorry, yeah. about not getting married and and that, that this is something that I just really wanted. And, you know, throughout, throughout all of that, you know, I ended up getting married in 2008 which is like the best day ever and I had um I had full fury the week before. Hello. <laughs> so I kinda you know, give myself a little some snaps for that one. But um anyway, um, you know, I it was so hard and I mean that's just only touching on just a tad bit, you know, obviously the, the whole um fertility thing, you know, I had to rush into treatment right away and I didn't have time to freeze my eggs or anything. So as far as you know, having a a child, I mean, biologic or you know, biologically or whatever. Um, I don't think that that is something that is in my future. And you know, I may or may not have a child. You know, one day, whether through adoption or other alternatives and whatnot. But um, you know, that was something that still bothers me. You know, I'm 28 now, and everyone's having babies, and and you know, I I want a baby, you know, too. And so yeah. You know that whole thing is <clears throat> really hard, and and also just you know like just on the fe- like the uncertainty of ha- not having a future. Um, I just I still it still haunts me. To, like you know if I'm gonna be here next year, but I just you know I have to just believe that I will, and it's gotten me you know this far with really advanced disease, and I don't think that I would be able to have gotten through it if it weren't for like for my own my huge network of friends and family who have kind of come together and we've all formed Team Fabulous, which you guys have probably um, read about online, but that was formed to kind of just 
be a, like an emotional and financial support system for for me. And it's kind of you know now that I'm I feel really good about where I am with my disease. I've kind of I'm trying to take it and make it into something different and you know spread the word for young adult colon cancer and that you know you still can live a full life with stage four disease and it's not you know you're not necessarily going to die you know I mean you can live your life and just I, I you know I just have it's all about the hope and you know just being inspired by other people and being an inspiration for others and for me I just have like a strong faith so that's you know kept me grounded and it keeps me going and you know, it's support, and I, I urge anyone who's a new, newly diagnosed to just just don't be afraid to just reach out to people and and really just ask for help because, I mean, you can't do it alone, and I don't know how people do it uh, if they do it alone. You know, I, I don't know where I'd be without my support system. So. But this is what the young adult movement is all about. To a, to, to, a, to a certain extent, it's not about what you had. It's not disease-specific because the issues that we face are unique to our age group, but at the same time, there's a tremendous need to make certain things disease-specific because, yes, there, we're so few in numbers when it comes to this, and it's, it's the same old story every time. You don't want to be in a room with, you know, with 60-year-old men you know, getting treatment for colon cancer when you're 26 with it, and you don't want to be you know, uh, talked down to by your doctor when he says you're too young to have this come back in six months this is our generation or talked down to to by your oncologist as erica says who basically will look at you and say forget about this and marriage in the future i mean come on absolutely unacceptable right and we deserve better which is why i really believe and i'm so proud of the fact that over the last couple of years it has been groups like first ascents and groups like the colon club and i2y and the almond fund that have really brought our generation, the voice and the self-esteem and the self-worth and the dignity that we deserve that we just didn't have even five or six years ago. So you guys are the, the prototype for what it means to be young adult survivors and that you are also enriched in your survivorship and your experience and you're on top of the ball with all of these mechanics um, I would just like your, your, I know Molly talked about it, but Brian or Erica, do you have any specific thoughts about how this health care reform, you know, is really something our generation, I feel, needs more than any other? Um, I can speak to that a bit. You know, I, I'm, uh, so uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic and, uh, and I've had cancer, so I'm two times uninsurable, you know. Um, so it's it's been really uh it's been really difficult for me to uh, to deal with insurance companies and, and just, um, you know, taking care of my just my basic health, you know, so that I can live and function and and do all the things that normal people do. And um, so I'm pretty excited about, uh, you know, the health care bill passing. Um, obviously, you know, it's it's not a perfect bill, but it, I, I'm pretty excited. I definitely feel it's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, right now I've had to. <clears throat> I currently, um, I have a a group policy, a group of one. Um, so I had to kind of jump through some hoops to to get an insurance policy, but I've managed to do it. And um, and I've still had some hurdles to to climb um, with that. You know, uh, while I was in chemo, I was trying to. I was just trying to get a blood glucose monitor approved. It's a it's a special kind. It's a continuous glucose monitor, 
and my insurance company uh, they they wouldn't cover it and um you know even we had a I had a conference call with my insurance company and my doctor and my doctor you know said it was you know medically necessary and um so it was denied so um anyway so insurance has been really a struggle for me and I'm sure you know all of you guys so um, um I'm pretty excited yeah like I said about about the vote so and Erica um, I definitely, you know, I feel really similar to Brian, you know. I mean, I mean I've mean, i never actually been denied or, like, a, an insurance plan because, like I said, I just kind of went and I was able to, I've been able to ride out my COBRA plan and then I was on Medicare and now I'm getting this Medigap plan. But, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think it's, it's a step in the right direction and I, I really just think that everyone who needs insurance you know, should be able to have it. But, I mean, I like the, also the fact that if you have, you know, you have a plan that you're happy with it, you can stay with it, you know. Right. No one's forcing you to get rid of what already works for you. And if you can afford it, why change? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I definitely, I don't know. I don't really talk a lot about it. I, I sometimes, it's kind of new, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, get all of everything straight. But, yeah, I mean, definitely, I, yeah, I think we're all on the same page with it. Well, that's fantastic. Lisa, you have any other uh, questions well, just, for our guests? I, I think uh, just also to your point from before, Matt, about you know finding community in, in the young adult world, and particularly with colon cancer. Um, you know, individual. I mean, things like that. What Erica's doing with Team Fabulous. I mean, even individual. You know, creating a community um, surround you where you have a website and you're simply, you know, you're educating your family and your friends and your immediate community. Um, doesn't even have to be as broad as something like First Descent or I2Y or Live Strong or anything like that. I think um, what something like Erica's done by taking things into her own hands and spreading it just within her own community is fabulous. And to reach out and to involve and, and, and to not be afraid to go to those um, loved ones around you or friends or even people who necessarily, you know, don't have any knowledge of colon cancer or any experience with it, but just to say, I need you here. I need a hand. I need help. And certain people may disappoint, but a lot of people will step up. And uh, and I think that's I think that's an amazing thing to be open and to share that and to just say, hey, I need this. Be there for me. And this may be an unusual experience for you, but let me, <laughs> but but let me bring you into it, and we can all make this community together. So I think that's fantastic. Um, exactly. I just want to also add to that. The um, C3, the Colorectal Cancer Coalition, has also been, like, a huge impact um, for me as well. Like, I've gotten involved with them, and this last week I participated in Colin Congress. Um, and that was an amazing experience where I was able to connect with um, other colon cancer survivors and who were young and old, but um, it's also just an amazing um, organization, too, for anyone who is, like, a victim of colon cancer or has, you know, a loved one who is dealing with it. And um, and their website is fightcolorectalcancer.org. So check them out, too. Yeah, we just posted the link in the chat room. Nice. And, I mean, Facebook has just also just been, you know, like you obviously know um, Matthew and Jack, like, I have a I have a Team Fabulous Facebook page, which is just another place for me to like post things, you know, links or, um, you know, if I write blogs and 
um, journal entries and things like that. So, you know, I've and I've also just connected with hundreds of people that way, which is really awesome. So, you know, Erica, anyway. when, as you start to say that, I think back to you know being diagnosed 11 years ago. The internet was so new, and there was nothing. And it is so awesome that we have it now so that we can connect because, I mean, you and I have been emailing, well, let me rephrase, you've emailed a couple times, I'm a slacker and I've only emailed back once, but, I mean, to be able to be that connected, you know, with a disease that, according to the doctors, doesn't happen to young people, it's just so awesome. Yeah, and uh, great. No, so go ahead. Yeah, to my mind, the best use of social media, and I, and then I would I would just also cap off in case we didn't make this clear that anybody who can also build a giant colon just rocks. Yeah. Hey, baby, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. It's fantastic. What is it made out of? Uh, well, <laughs> it's a polyurethane spray foam. If we really want to get technical. <laughs> I mean, I really um, I need to fill out the application for the colander because I'd like to apply to be on that. Well, I just I've I've been checking out your picture well. and I'm like, this girl's a fox. She needs to oh. send her application. <laughs> And she is. I've seen her in person. And and Molly, <laughs> count us in and count first to sense in to get to help you with the next colander. We want to recruit for you. We want to be a part awesome. of it. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank count you very, in. very much. And I get it every. Yeah. I've been getting it every year for like six years, and I still have them all. It's fantastic. Good. Who's your yeah, favorite? I love the colander. I, Who's uh, your favorite? I had an Molly, I have to say, you are. Oh come on! That's just brownie points right there. I'm, I'm not obligated. Just we're talking about colons. <laughs> like, who's, like, who's, who's, who's your favorite? Colander model, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Trish, Candace, uh, Sean Felty is the man. Are you just na- you're just naming yeah. people in the chat room tonight. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Trish is in the chat room. Yes, she is. But Candace and Sean, fantastic. Well, I mean, this this has been a great show. I, I would just want to put one more question out there uh, to everyone to answer. If you can answer it in in uh, as briefly as possible, to sort of as an experiment. Um, if you had the opportunity to run the New York City Half Marathon and uh, you knew that Jack Buffard was also in the marathon with you, uh, how attracted would you be to the idea of tripping in mid-race? And which direction I, would you well, run? Well, you know what? If that's going to happen, I would, I would really appreciate being tripped during the first mile. I'm, I'm just going to jump right out here, and I'm going to say I ran the whole marathon back in, nice. in 2000. So, um, well, good for you, boo. I don't remember anything. <laughs> no, no, but I don't remember anything past, like, mile three. So I don't know that I would be that. I wouldn't be thinking on my feet right there. So okay. he would be safe. All right. And P.S. Jack, you can eat her dust. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably no. not. <laughs> when I passed mile eight, I asked the, the attendant if this was the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, it's just around the corner. I put out the door because I wouldn't be running it. I'd probably have to drive. <laughs> no, I think basically, no, when, when, it's, when, it's, when it's about Jack Buffard and running, people run in the other direction. That's, yes. the, gen, that's the general rule of thumb. Usually I'm running for the border. <laughs> Taco Bell, literally, yes. Yeah. Well, well i got to keep my colon healthy. That <laughs> a boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God, I'm not even so, going to go there. What do you got to say now, buddy? I have nothing to say to that. Well, we're at, we're out of time, but I, this is a great show. Again, I mean, I I think, you know, whenever we do shows about specific diseases, you know, the young adult movement, like I said, it's we we do a lot of stuff that's not disease specific because our issues are sort of pretty much in alignment regardless of what type of cancer you have. 
But whenever we do a show that is disease-specific, it's, it's really incredibly meaningful. And to have you three guys, you're brazen, you're out there, you're, you're sharing it with the world, you're, not, you're unabashedly honest and truthful about what it means to be you going through this, whether you're 13, Molly, I'm a 14-year, you're a 13-year, so like, or, or 11-year, so we 11, know what the, what the dark, at least, and uh, Lisa's a 14-year, so we know the dark ages very well and how much progress has been made, but, you know, here we are on the Internet talking to 50,000 people in 20 countries about colon cancer in young adults. Who would have thought we'd been doing that, you know, five years ago? So um, I congratulate all of you on everything you're going through, um, and uh, please get involved with I2Y, get involved with First Ascents, get involved with the Colon Club, support the young adult cancer movement, support health care reform. We deserve better, and uh, this has been the end of a fantastic, fantastic show. Thank you. Thank you all. Yeah. So, Thanks uh, so much for having us. So we're going to say goodbye to Molly McMaster, Erica Paul, and Brian Novak. Semi Colin. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, Molly. Bye-bye. All right. So that, uh, that concludes our show, guys. I think that was absolutely fantastic. That was good stuff, man. And you know what? I mean, we're going to talk about healthcare on, like, every show at this point. I think it's oh, an yeah. ongoing conversation. I think we should all do our homework and go to the Daily Coast or the Huffington Post or the – what's the one? The, 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 the Republican one, the Daily Beast. Uh, really take a look at what some of the stupid people and the smart people are saying, respectively, depending on who you consider stupid and smart. Um, but the one thing I will say, and I don't really get terribly political on this show, but Rush Limbaugh did say that if the health care bill passed, he was going to move to Costa Rica. And I can only wish him the best and safe travels at his new home. So farewell, Rush Limbaugh. You can kiss my ass and have a great time in Central America. And, and you know Moish- that they have socialized health care in Costa Rica, they do, right? Yeah. You've, got, you've, you've already called Moish's movers to show up at his house. Yeah, the Jew movers are going to come. My people are going to show up there. He's going to get all the free Viagra he's going to need in Oxycontin down there in Costa Rica. But so. don't they have to, like, don't they need, like, Operation Dumbo Drop or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, guys. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Now it's time for our, uh, our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that was tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick. At Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Molly McMaster, Brian Novak, Erica Paul, and Shel Portner, and live in our studio. Next week, Dr. Susan Love, the ever controversial Dr. Susan Love. In our spotlight, Stephanie LaRue, and of course, Dr. Susan Love. If you missed any of our previous broadcasts, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or just search for Stupid Cancer on the iTunes store for all of our podcasts. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week, my friends, live at 9 o'clock next Monday from the chemo deck. Jack Buford, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stubing and I wish you all a great week. 
Go to bed, Dory. Fuck her out. <laughs>